Fasting is one of those practices, Christian practices, that seems to have been ignored in our current Christian environment and certainly seems to be missing from the vocabulary that we use when we talk about Christian discipleship. Biblically, the scriptures are filled with examples, both personal and corporate, of fasting. I love some of the definitions that I have come across to trying to explain to us what fasting means, and I'll just bring uh, a few of them to you. One by Andrew Murray says this, Prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm that resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Ronald Dunn says this, Fasting enables us to abandon ourselves more completely to God during times of intense spiritual devotion. And probably one of my favourite ones, because it's probably (laughs) a little bit more poetic, is John Piper's definition, Christian fasting at its roots is the hunger of homesickness for God. And that's what fasting is. Fasting is sacrificing something that is very pleasurable to us, something that is essential to our well-being, something that takes a lot of our thinking, a lot of our money, a lot of our time, in order to set time aside to passionately seek God through sacrifice. It's about a quest for intimacy with God, and very much that's illustrated in Jesus. Uh, in If you turn to Matthew chapter 4, it, it says in verse 2, after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Jesus spent that time of preparation before going into ministry where he took time to draw closer to the Father and the Spirit, press into intimacy as he was preparing himself for ministry. And of course, this would have been something that would have been very familiar to the the people. The Old Testament is peppered with references to fasting, um, particularly around the annual feasts. Uh, If you read in Zechariah 8, 19, you would find examples of the fasting that was there. Again, in Leviticus 23, verse 26 to 32, the people of God were denying themselves the pleasures of eating in order to draw near to God. But very much in the Old Testament, there's also been examples when the prophets are calling out the people of God who were physically fasting, but at the same time there was a disconnect between the spiritual reality and the practice of fasting. The fasting just became a religious exercise in order to impress God. But at the same time, those who were fasting were living a double life. And Isaiah, in Isaiah 58, all around the verse 4, he calls them out on it. And he says, what you're doing is despicable. Because you don't practice justice. You are a religious bunch of people that don't practice fasting as you should. So there are several um, purposes of fasting revealed in the scripture. And um, all of them really, I think, connect with our hearts at different stages of our journey with God. Jesus 
really expects us to fast. So in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 16, Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, it's not an if, it's a when. So there is an expectation seemingly from Jesus that just like the Jewish audience that he was talking to and the disciples that he was talking to, that those who would choose to follow him would be people who would devote themselves to prayer and fasting. And Jesus himself models it. And it always makes me think if, if this was good enough and significant and important enough for Jesus, how much more for me? In Matthew chapter four, again, that passage uh, where Jesus is making that preparation for ministry through investing in intimacy with God through fasting. There are examples of repentance. So a time of fasting out of a sense of sorrow because we have sinned against God and we have forsaken God. It's a way of saying sorry through fasting. First Samuel chapter 7 verses 5 and 6. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mitzvah and I will pray to the Lord for you. They gathered to Mitzvah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. This was a way of putting the hand up and as part of that act of recognition and repentance, they showed that by humbling themselves through fasting. Another reason for fasting is for salvation. Esther, when she's caught in that catch-22 situation in which she finds out some information about her own people, the Jews, who could face extermination and she has to do something. It's a dangerous thing. If she goes and sees the king, she reveals her identity and she could pay the price for it. But if she stays quiet, her people would die. And in that very difficult situation, when she has to make a decision, when she's pleading for God to do something to help her for the salvation of her people, Esther in Esther 4, 15 and 17, is praying. This is what it says, verse 16. She's talking to her aides. Uh, she's talking to her aides and she says, go, assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. She's not just gung ho brave about going. She takes time to lean in hard on the Lord and she seeks the Lord, not just herself, but also her entire team with prayer and fasting. There's a sense of desperation in this. Then we find again in exile, Daniel, in Daniel chapter nine, verse three, seeking guidance from God, needing an insight, a prophetic insight in into how he should proceed, what's happening, trying to gain an understanding of the times that he was living in and getting some sort of direction from God. And this is what he says. Daniel is saying, so I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. Once again, in times of challenge, in times of confusion, Daniel chooses to demonstrate that passionate pursuit for God by fasting and praying.
The important thing is, as we look at those examples, is also to remember that Jesus, when he explains in the Summon Mount about fasting, he's really calling out those who would fall into the trap to do it as a religious exercise in order to be seen by other people. He says, don't be like the hypocrites who, who do that in order to be seen. The fasting is for God alone. It's not a show. It's not a religious exercise. It is something that enables us to focus on God, to spend time with him and to show our desperate passion for him, calling out for God to step into the difficult circumstances that we may find ourselves in. And God will reward that. That which is unseen, God will reward it. So I really want us to engage with God in the week after next by praying and fasting. We will gather every day to pray at 7.14, some days in the morning, some days in the evening. But I really want to encourage you to set some time aside to fast. And for some of you who've been fasting before, you may feel like you want to fast a day, um, maybe a couple of days throughout the week, maybe one at the beginning, one at the end, or maybe just one day. Some of you have never fasted, maybe why not start with half a day? The important thing is just to take time to pray. Pray and fasting go together. You can't have just fasting. That's just a diet. Prayer and fasting is about spending time with God, listening to God, pouring out our hearts to God in prayer, drawing near to him in intimacy. That's that's the point of it. So if you've never done it before, learn to walk before you run. Take some baby steps. Don't 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 go crazy and go on a whole week fast. The important thing is to keep on drinking water um, because being hydrated is really important. And then if you've taken a whole day to fast, don't have a massive meal in the evening because that's not going to be great for your stomach. For those of you who, for medical reasons, can't, can't do this, don't feel guilty about it. That's fine. Maybe take an alternate fast. Maybe fast from social media or fast from something that is pleasurable and you would feel like it's a sacrifice. I, uh, I love the way Jay Packer puts it. He says this, we tend to think of fasting as coming without food, but we can also fast from anything if we love music and decide to miss a concert in order to spend time with God, that is fasting. It's helpful to think of the parallel of human friendship. When friends need to be together, they will cancel all other activities in order to make that possible. It's just one way of telling God that our priorities at that moment is to be alone with him, sorting out whatever is necessary and you have cancelled the meal, the party, the concert, or whatever else you had planned to do in order to fulfil that priority. So, let's prepare our hearts. Let's set time aside for prayer. Maybe prepare some times for fasting. And in that, in these times of desperate need, when we want to see a breakthrough in this nation, first and foremost, a spiritual breakthrough of revival, of our hearts being rekindled with a love for God, of a national turning back to God, of a relief for all those who are being affected by the devastating consequences of COVID. This is a time to cry out to God and to see something amazing happen. So let's prepare our hearts, even as 
we want to come before him in the week after next, to seek his face, to hear his voice, to receive his wisdom, to receive his power, to see great things happen in our lives, in our local communities, and in the church, and in the nation, and to the ends of the earth. This is an incredible opportunity to really experience God's gracious kindness in the midst of difficult circumstances.